Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Remember that you can join in on the conversation by calling 0891-104-207-011-714-445. I'd like to welcome our first guest, and uh, this is uh, Dr. Zakir Dokrat, who is uh, the uh, postdoctoral research fellow, Forensic Linguistics and Language and Law at the University of Rhodes. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Dr. Dokrat. Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Now, Dr. Dockrat, it seems that uh, we have a lot of languages in our country, but not anything different from what the rest of Africa has. So with 11 official languages and obviously a police force that needs to understand the languages of the communities they serve, linguistics has become one of those areas that is quite touchy when it comes to how the police service deal with the community, how they write statements and the likes. And we'd like to talk about the importance and the urgency of the South African police services getting trained in linguistics. Yes, I think, you know, the point you mentioned about us having 11 official languages in the country, and often we use that as an excuse. Um, to implement English and use English as the sole official language of record uh, for un- based on practical grounds. And I don't think that actually serves the, the broader community and the people of our country. If we look at the, if we look at the SAPs, um, that's where our justice system really begins for most of us, when we go and lay a charge or when somebody is arrested or detained. That's the first port of call. And it begins with a sworn statement. Now, the sworn statement is recorded by a police officer writing it by hand. Now, already we're having uh, an issue with that because, I mean, we're experiencing the fourth industrial revolution, but yet we choose to record statements by hand. Put that aside, the police officer might not speak the same language as the complainant or the accused. And then there's a breakdown of communication. And the police officer is obligated as well to record the statement in English. So we can see the linguistic issues that arise um, from this process and the impact that, ha- that has, actually the negative impact that it can have on access to justice. You know, Dr. Dockrat, as you mentioned this fact that the police officer needs to be the one writing the sworn affidavit, and I'd like us to start there. At many occasions that I've had to go in to get a sworn affidavit, or I've had to go into the police station for any reason, it is hardly ever that I have observed a police officer writing that statement by themselves, I personally have been told many occasions, write it yourself, you know why you're here, and we'll just stamp it. So that is the problem. Yes, I totally agree with you, Patricia. I mean, for us, it's it's very easy to go to the police station and actually have our affidavits or our sworn statements typed up already and then just give it to the police officer and have it stamped, as you suggest. But, I mean, what about the majority of our people who can't read and write and speak English? I mean, how do we expect them to be writing a statement and know what facts to place in that statement, you know? It does become a challenge. Yes, so those people are reliant on the police officer. Now, they are telling the story to the police officer. So it's already a reconstruction happening. The police officer is then listening to what the story is and then recording the facts. 
Now, we are questioning whether the police officers are, in fact, recording what is being said by the complainant or the accused or their understanding of what that person is saying. And there's a, there's a major difference. You can agree with me, I'm sure, on that. Mm. Um, so, so, so that's where there's a breakdown in communication. Plus then, if the police officer is not an English mother tongue speaker or doesn't have that proficiency, let's say, they're still having in their own minds to process it through their own mother tongue and then record it in English. So there's another process. And this is what we've termed transporting. So the police officer is actually acting as what we call a transporter. So we've taken the word translator and interpreter and bridged the two together because it's a process of translation and interpretation. But now we cannot blame our police officers who are not sworn interpreters and translators. I mean, the system that they work for and that they are employed in doesn't afford them the necessary qualifications and training to say, look, our police officers have to be sworn translators and interpreters. And is that then realistic of us to expect them to be sworn translators? It gives rise to another issue, Patricia, on linguistic grounds. Then are we telling all our police officers they should be proficient in English? Surely that's undermining the prescripts of Section 6 of our Constitution, which promotes the equal use of all our languages and the promotion of our African languages in particular. So we are then undermining their languages as well. So we need to try and find a way around this. This is uh, Late Night Conversations. I'm talking to Dr. Dockright, who is explaining to us the importance and the urgency of linguistic training when it comes to South African police services. I'd love you to please join us by uh, sending us your WhatsApps on 0614-104-107. Give us your experience. Uh, perhaps you've gone into a police station, you speak another language, um, and or you observe someone who speaks another language, maybe Sibedi, and the police officer was not able to assist them. And because they could not understand them for whatever reason. Or you yourself are a police officer and feel frustrated because you are not able to serve the community that you have been placed in. Please do call us in. Let us know what your thoughts are on the importance of linguistic training for the South African Police Services. The number that you can dial is 0891-104-207 or 011-714-4045. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. We are talking to Dr. Zakir Dokrat, who's um, a post-doctoral research fellow for Forensic Linguistics, Languages and Law at the University of Rhodes. Rhodes University, as a matter of fact. And we are just talking about the importance of linguistics when it comes to South African police services and we do invite you to call in our number is 0891-104-207 or you can call in on 011-714-4045 Dr. Dockrat, I'd like to go to the lines here uh, on our WhatsApp number I see here from Kanjo Kanjo says in South Africa most police officers are poorly educated their statements are full of flaws while speaking on the client's behalf Now, this is an observation someone has obviously had, um, and this obviously comes into the linguistics play. Yes, definitely, Patricia. I mean, it's interesting to hear um, what your caller in had to say via the WhatsApp line. And I mean, 
you know, these discrepancies then lead to the witness's credibility being questioned in court. So we have one version, then that's recorded in the docket by the police officer, which is a statement. It then goes to court, and I'm on the stand, and I'm being cross-examined. And it, my oral evidence doesn't uh, match up with what was recorded in the statement. I mean, that speaks to my credibility as a witness and the facts of the case. Um, so you can see the implications that it has on access to justice. And I mean, high-profile cases have shone the light on these issues. If we take, for example, what happened in the Omotoso case, I think which most of us are familiar with, and when we saw Cheryl Zondi being cross-examined in court, there were major discrepancies between the written statement and between her oral um, between her oral evidence. Now, whose fault is that? Surely it's not the witness's fault. And when she was asked about these discrepancies during cross-examination, I'm sure you'll recall her saying that, why don't you go and ask the police officer? I didn't say that. And I thought that was a really good response to the cross-examination because she didn't say that. So whose word are we really taking? Are we trusting our police officers who we, we can't really blame for not having the linguistic training? Or are we saying that our witnesses are inaccurate and not credible? Mm. I've got on the line here Nkosinati, who's a retired police officer in Durban. Nkosinati, thank you very much for calling in. How are you this evening? Uh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. And good evening to your, to your listeners. Good evening. Um, but it's an old issue. It started when uh, English and Africans, oh, well, even uh, now, English and Africans still, uh, is still are still languages that are recognized either by courts and, and, and this, the entire system. Well, it started at the police station when, when a complainant uh, lays a charge. She goes to the charge office, a a, a, a junior police officer would listen to her story and 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 record it. Uh, in other words, take it uh, down in a form of a statement. The problem has already started there. He will write and write as soon as he finishes. He hands it over, which is uh, supposed to happen, to 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 the complainant to read and and confirm and sign it. It's not easy for the complainant at the church office because you remember that the church offices or, or, or community service centers are not friendly uh, areas to, to, to civilians. It's hard for him or her to query a, 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 or to point out some certain mistakes on, on her statement, but he will simply sign and, 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 and hand it back to a police officer. I've seen on many occasions where the prosecutor would order that the statement of a complainant or a witness be retaken. When you look at it, it's, it's, it's not that it's poorly written due to uh, English grammar and so on, but the problem is with the language because the complainant would say something else in, in, in his or her language, which is generally in, in Zulu in Devon, and when it's, it's taken down in English, it, it, it changes sometimes the meaning altogether. Now, Nkosnata, I want to ask you something. As a retired police officer, 
If you were to write the statement in Isizulu, would that not, let's say in the, in the example you've given, you're in KZN, you're in Durban, and someone comes into the police station, says what happened in Isizulu, and you write that statement down in Isizulu, since Isizulu is one of the 11 official languages, would that not surface? Would that not be a better way of uh, doing things as opposed to utilizing English and Afrikaans? It, it will, and, and, and I think it will record all the facts as, as, as the complainant uh, 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 recalls them at the same time. Because remember that uh, after the statement has been written, it takes months, if not years, for the case to be to head in a court. So if that complainant had, 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 had submitted his or her statement in, in, in Zulu, it, 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 it would be easier for him to remember the facts rather than to have to remember the facts in English uh, during the trial. So it would be much easier. But unfortunately, even the courts, that would create another confusion because the courts generally run their cases in English. I've never heard of a case uh, 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 being tried in Isizulu or Ispeed or, 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 or something else. But I understand that the courts do have interpreters, so perhaps this is where we are not exercising our democratic right as South Africans, as South Africans, because you can request for an interpreter. Um, but Ngosnati, thank you so very much for giving us your experience as a retired thank police you. officer. And I'd like to move to you, Dr. Dockett. You've heard what Ngosnati said, and for me, it sounds like sometimes we as South Africans are not not exercising our own rights. You go into a police station and you purely cannot speak English properly. You want your statement in Isizulu or Sipedi or Sitsonga, but you are still going to adhere because perhaps the environment is not that friendly. And Kostati did mention that, that, you know, the environment for civilians when you walk into a police station, just, you just feel intimidated by mere virtue of being in the, in the premises. I agree, and um, thank you, Ngosnati, for that uh, very good comment. Um, I was picking up on what Ngosnati was saying in terms of the complainant reading and signing. Mm. Now, Patricia, what if you're illiterate? What if you can't read English? And and I think he, he made this point very well. So there's no way that you can attest to what that police officer has recorded there. Um, the second thing that Ngosnati said was the fact that it then goes to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor might say they want another statement taken. Are we not talking about wasting time? And years down the line, as you suggest, I mean, how fresh are those facts in, that, in the complainant's mind? Again, we have a problem. And he also, he also mentioned um, the fact that the language of record in courts is English. And we've had this discussion on numerous occasions about the heads of court and the chief justice taking the decision to make English the sole official language of record. And yes, it does impact directly on the statement taking. But there is precedent. I must tell Ngosnati there is precedent for cases being heard in African languages. And that's the cases of State versus Damoy and State versus Matomela. In fact, um, there was one in KZN recently as well. The name escapes me at the moment where they also proceeded in Isuzulu. And the question before court was whether this was not giving effective uh, meaning to the language rights in the Constitution. So there is precedent, and there is a way, I think, that we can get around it. Because as I said earlier, there is no possible way in which we can ensure our police officers are fully competent in English. That would be unfair on all of them. So 
there's, why can't we employ interpreters and translators at our police stations? Government is always looking to say we need to create employment opportunities. Well, here is one right now. We have so many students graduating from our system who then are unemployed when they leave university and they have degrees in language, they have degrees in translation and interpretation, but are unable to find employment. Now, the police language policy, it's in draft form actually, it makes allowance for the use of an interpreter, but it says that budgetary constraints, subject to budgetary constraints, it says that an interpreter can be called. Now, we both know that when is a police officer going to pick up the phone and phone Zakira and say, um, I've got somebody here who speaks to Tulsa, please can you come in and interpret for me? It's not practical. So why don't we have these people employed at our police stations to do this very job for the police? It is very important for us to consider this. And I think before we even end our conversation, we, I'd like us to look at the sort of... Um, ways we can go about uh, talking and fixing uh, fixing uh, some of the issues that uh, we are seeing when it comes to linguistics. Remember, you can join us on the line by calling 0891-104-207 or 011-714-4045. Our WhatsApp number is uh, 0614-104-107. We've got some voice notes here we'd like to play. Uh, good evening, uh, Patricia and your guest. This is um, Bongingos Zulu from Mpangene. Um The challenge of using language by the police officers is, you know, all over the country because um, when it comes to writing the affidavits, you will find that they would um, allow you to write uh, on your own and they will actually use this stamp just to confirm. And at times they don't even read what you actually wrote on that uh, particular affidavit. So this is a problem that uh, government must do something about it because even the investigate um you know officers they also struggle when it comes to writing english and also communicating in english so yeah it is quite a very big challenge something must be done to sort of rectify that particular situation bongosi zulu from embangen thank you uh, good good evening, Patricia and your guest there. Uh, I from Durban. Yeah. Uh, just just wanna know, can't you have you know a recorded statement, you know, and put it in a tape, and then introduce it to the court to the courts or something like that? I mean, really, uh, we 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 are way past the stage where everything needs to be in black and white. It's so easy to record. I mean. A policeman can use, you know, his or her phone, or they can have uh, some kind of recording in the police station. Thank you. Good night. 
Dr. Dockrat, it seems that uh, a lot of our South Africans who are tuned in right now have the same sentiment. They are feeling that a lot can be done or and should be done because clearly statements are not taken correctly and this leads to some of the cases not being handled in the correct manner. I've also got, before you do respond to this, I've got uh, someone who sent us a, a, a message here saying, Patricia, do uh, countries like Lesotho, Botswana have this same problem? especially when it comes to English? Okay, I think um, if you'll allow me, Patricia, to respond briefly to the first two comments and then I'll I'll tackle the Africa issue. Um, Look, Belgium and Canada, we know our our bilingual systems and they do it very well. But then I'm told that they only have two languages, so it weakens my argument. But I mean, we know that um, across our nine provinces, we we have a majority spoken African language. So... I think that excludes um, that possible excuse. And then also about digitally recording the statement. It's a great idea, and we're supporting it and proposing that, that um, all police stations be fitted with digital recorders. The statement is then recorded digitally by the complainant or by the accused person. It then gets captured and gets saved in the cloud so we can ensure that there's no fraud or tampering with it, as what would happen with the docket. And then it's translated or, and transcribed by our employed translator, who is a university graduate. So we've created an employment opportunity, and we've tried to address the linguistic um, issues there. Uh, in terms of, I think the second voice note said something about a digital recording going to court rather than a written transcribed statement. Um, that is possible. Uh, in terms of the Electronic Evidence Act, you can have electronic reformed evidence, but that gives rise to a number of issues. So it's best always to have it in written form. So if we have it transcribed by our translator, that will preclude any issues um, of tampering there. Mm-hmm. And, and then in, Go ahead. And then in terms of the Africa question, well, look, I, I don't... I don't know how to address this because English has a global presence. And we know in Africa, even in the Francophone countries, it, it, it's got a large presence and it seems to be the economic language. So English is seen as the language that gets you access to the economy, access to education, and so forth. So all these uh, legal systems are leaning towards an English approach which is disastrous for the development and the use of the African languages. So the issue is not just confined to South Africa. It's, it's a continental issue, and it's also a global issue. If we look at Australia, for example, I was there last year at a conference, and you must just hear what Aboriginal speakers, Indigenous speakers of the Aboriginal languages were saying. I mean, I, I thought... You know, we're not so bad off in South Africa as indigenous African language speakers because if you hear what they have to go through and what they are subjected to in the justice system, all because of English imposed on them, it's it's quite terrible. And I think you'll only begin to understand the implications once you are placed at a disadvantage and you don't have good access to English.
It's, um, let's move on to some of the voice notes and uh, WhatsApps that we've got here. I'll start with the messages. The one message from Anonymous says, Hi, uh, Patricia and your guest. My experience with police officers is that they don't understand. They don't only understand, but their attitudes are very bad as well. They don't make it pleasant when we go to the police station. The second one is from De Beers. De Beers says, Good evening, Patricia. My parents were apartheid security forces, and at that time, the police forces were used to use Afrikaans as an official language and as I'm a Nama speaker and Afrikaans most police officers can't even write Afrikaans and that's why the system is corrupt. The third one I'm going to look at right now is that they say the police, they have poor service, especially at stations when we are looking for help or for certifying documents. There is a clearly this is a huge issue. It's it's yes, a it, huge it issue. No one, is coming, overall, no one is coming in to say, well, we are getting an overall good experience. Whether it is in mm. English, Afrikaans, this is Zulu, it does not matter. People are generally having the same sentiment. Yes, I mean the system. I mean you can hear from those from those messages. The system needs a complete overhaul, and I don't think we can ignore these issues any longer. We're doing our people a disservice, and our, our crime rate is escalating in the country. And language is central to solving these problems. And I think that it just needs a little bit of buy-in from our minister. And if he's tuned in tonight, or anybody from his office. The plea is contact us, please. We'd like to engage with you. We'd like to see how we can pilot projects at various police stations to implement um, these projects that we have to try and avoid uh, any further linguistic issues that may arise concerning sworn statements. Ngosnati came back again uh, from Durban and he says, Hi Patricia, there is one last issue regarding English, particularly in Durban, that of the defense attorneys during a cross-examination who easily point out contradictions that are largely due to language barriers. So clearly when we go into the court of laws, it is no different um, than when we are at the police station because there's always a contradiction between languages. Yeah, you see, Patricia, it's just our entire legal system, unfortunately, favors English and it, it disadvantages the majority of our people. So, yes, it begins with the police, and as we've discussed tonight and heard from everybody, the police are in serious trouble linguistically and legally. But it also speaks to the importance of raising awareness for the use of our African languages and Afrikaans back into the system um, as languages of records in our court. And hopefully our heads of court and our chief justice will actually realize that an English-only language policy is not a one-size-fits-all policy. It doesn't work in South Africa. It's not working. We have to change. Mm, definitely. We are talking to Dr. Zakir Dokrat, who is a post-doctoral <coughs> research fellow, Forensics, Linguistics, Language and Law at Rhodes University. And our conversation today is around the urgency and the need for linguistics training for our South African police services. The number that you can dial if you'd like to join the conversation is 0891 or 11 You can also SMS. 
SMS us on 41391. SMSs are charged at 150. On WhatsApp, you can send us short, sweet, precise and audible voice notes. And I mention this because my producer says, Patricia, please keep on reminding everyone, don't send us one minute long or two minute long voice notes. Make them under a minute long, please, preferably about 40 seconds. And the number to dial there is 0614-104-107. Or you can go on to our social media platforms at SFM Radio at Patricia N. and Uli. The purpose of the language, language barriers, uh, it's, it's a problem. So there are dropouts, uh, some teachers and, and other students who have dropout who are having that capacity and ability in reading and writing. Because in reading and writing, you have, have the listening skill and the cognitive knowledge. If the prior knowledge of understanding what you are writing and what the complainant is saying, you won't have the, the background. While your, your language uh, capacity is lower than that is deserved in to capacitate the the, the working force place that the, the police is being deployed to. So it's it's wrong even to the government to deploy people who are less well educated. It's Peter Cramstown. Thank you very much, Peter. Dr. Dockright, Peter says, uh, well, it is very important that we understand how to read and write and uh, employ the correct people. Yeah, I think, you know, Patricia, it's, go- it's going back to what one of the other listeners also said about um, what training the police officers get. I mean, they, they undergo a six-month basic training course. And as part of that, the qualifications that you need is a matriculation certificate and a driver's license. So there's no other training that's needed. And we might then look to why the attitude is bad, why they can't record statements properly, um, why there are other issues that we maybe have not discussed tonight. But it, it goes back to the training of what do we really expect our police officers to do? Are they really just there to look at us when we enter that charge office and often are intimidated when we enter the charge office? And, and capture the statement half-heartedly and say, sign the piece of paper. Is that their job? So I think um, maybe as, as the minister should maybe address what the role is of police officers, in, not only in combating crime, but how it actually starts with a sworn statement and, and how they need to be trained on taking a statement. Again, I revert to the Australian model. There are forensic linguists that are working in Australia with the police and they actually train police on how to record a statement and how to question witnesses, um, how to uh, extract information legally, of course, um, from from accused and, and arrested persons. So there's an art to doing it, and we, we are not complicating it. But what we are saying is that there is a training program that is needed and that we can assist with and that is that needs to be implemented as in yesterday, not not tomorrow. Let's move on to the lines. I've got Stephen in the Northwest. Stephen, thank you very much for holding the line. How are you this evening? I'm well. Excellent. Look, man, one of the things that causes police officers to make mistakes is that they demand to write the statement. They don't give uh, the victim the right the right to write his own statement. 
And I think it's time that such a thing be enforced. I mean, you know what happened. You know what transpired what time. And they, they don't listen to write the statement. They listen to interpret it as though they are, they are an attorney and a judge or a magistrate at the same time. And that, that's where the police make a mistake. The, the other issue is that may, maybe we should uh, feed our police stations with audio recordings so that uh, if the police writes lies or, or fabricates an untruth, you can then demand your audio and say, I was there at this time, uh, take this particular audio, give it to the magistrate or the prosecutor so that uh, what I said may not be misconstrued. I think, let's be, let's be clear, the police have failed us. And in fact, they are some of the most uh, corrupt in the country. I'll give an example. Mm. Uh, recently, I was watching and in fact reading a, a, a Maritana report. You know, the, the police took some pangas, placed them under innocent people's bodies, planting wrong evidence. So we can't trust them. They are already compromised. They need to be retrained. They need to be taught how to handle issues and, and stop lying. Stephen, thank you so very much. And I think I, I like your suggestion, really like your suggestion of something similar to what the call centers have, where you do audio recordings and mm. you know that your statement is going to be um, correctly taken down. And, you, you know, um, Dr. Dockrat, the suggestion that Stephen has made might sound like we might need more infrastructure, but it all boils down to ensuring that our justice system does serve us. And that it's our very, police officers are well-trained and well-equipped, but our facilities are also well-equipped. Yes, very excellent comment, especially um, with the audio recording accompanying the transcribed, translated statement. I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, and that, that can actually prove that that's what was said and not what the police officer said, in fact. So, so great from Stephen. Uh, yeah, it, it talks again to infrastructure and 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 what we really want our police stations to look like, Patricia. I mean, when we walk in, often I, I mean here in Makanda, it's it's very dismal when you walk into the police station. So we need to get it properly staffed. We need attitudinal change. We need training of our police officers, and we need the actual building to and the infrastructure to be um, to be changed as well. But I think this goes back to you know the excuse of budgetary constraints. We always throw in with that. We don't have the money. But somewhere we've got to find the money because the, we're talking about people's rights to access justice, you know, whether you are going to prison for the rest of your life, whether you are accessing justice, whether somebody's daughter um, murderer is walking free or not, you know. Um, this is what we're talking about. Mm. It's people's lives, you know. These are not abstract things. So I don't think we can put a price tag onto that. And I understand things cost money, but I'm sure there's a way in which we can start this off incrementally, slowly, and just begin to implement it, especially in areas where we know um, police stations are under-resourced and there are issues with recording statements. Those are the police stations that we need to begin targeting, where we know that our complainants uh, cannot speak good English and are unable to record their own statements, as Stephen suggested, and bring it into 
to the police station to be entered into the docket. So in instances like that, those are the police stations that the ministry should be focusing on and trying to improve the infrastructure and implementing these audio recordings and the interpreters we spoke about employing. Let's uh, go to the lines. I've got Anonymous and also KGM Holding, but we'll start off with Anonymous. Anonymous, good evening. How are you this evening? Evening to you, Patricia, and very well, thank you, and good evening to your guest. I just want to say, should we not extend the study, you know, the studies uh, or training, training, as I may put it that way, of the police uh, uh, recruits? Mm-hmm. You know, to uh, two years or so, because six months or, or one year is nothing. Because doctors, teachers, everyone uh, study at least four years and over. Okay, doctors got seven years, but uh, most of the teachers and uh, certain uh, groupings, four years. Right, attorneys, I think one or two years. Uh, right, but uh, no, attorneys, three years. Three years, and then they have to do uh, another, other causes as well. But uh, the police officers, uh, I don't think they can learn everything in just six months. And you know, uh, yeah, we have to extend their their, their, their their studies for the further. So when they come out, and you know, uh, Patricia, in the past, in years gone by, in my days, we, police officers were only employed if they were married and if they were um, uh, over 25 of age. Now we have police officers that are 18 years and 17 years, like playboys in the field. <laughs> You, right. you, and, they, and, and they're not married and, you know, you, they spend more time on the phone with girlfriends, the phones are occupied. You try 11 o'clock in the night, try phoning a police station. You'll never get through because they're snoring or the line is engaged or you never can get through. And these young officers come out of training. And you know what? The higher ranking officials, why do they not put these young officials on the test? The higher-ranking officials that are there uh, longer, like, you know, the superintendent or the major or the general or the different ranking officials, why do they not put the student constables or constables on the test? Mm. Well, uh, thank you very much, Anonymous, for giving us your views there. Let's go to a bit of a break and we'll be back uh, to the conversation. And we see you on the lines and also we see your voice notes and WhatsApps. We'll attend to them after this. SFM leading the late-night conversation. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This is SAFM Late Night Conversation. I'm talking to Dr. Uh, Dockrat, who is the postdoctoral research fellow at Rhodes University for Forensic Linguistics. Language and law. We are talking about the urgency and the need for linguistic training when it comes to South African police services. On the line right now, I've got KGM and he's in Rustenburg today, the globe trotter of SAFM. How are you, KGM? Good evening, <laughs> Pat. Good evening to the listeners and to your your guest. Look, Pat, I I I, I bet to, to differ a bit with what your guest is saying. Uh, in a sense that, you know, when you hit water, uh, it only splashes when when the, the whip goes onto it. After that, it goes back, it's water again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the basis of what I'm saying is this. This is not just about the South African Police Service training or any of, of those sorts. This is a systematic issue. We, we have changed nothing. Yet we're expecting different things. The, the, the changing of the name of the South African police force to the police service did not mean that the structural defects that have always been there 
systematically are going to disappear overnight, let alone disappear even at any time. Now, we, we will keep on having this conversation even next year or a decade from now, for as long as the system remains the same. I mean, just as a parting shot, and, and this is linked to the police as well, uh, whether you take uh, the, the issue of language, we claim to have the best constitution in the world. There are judges sitting right up to the constitutional court. These very judges claim to be the custodians of, of the law, the protectors of the Constitution. Yet they see absolutely nothing wrong in enforcing the fact that languages should be respected as per the Constitution. This is not an option. It, 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 it's a constitutional right. Now, if we choose to single out the police when the same is happening at the, at the different levels of governance, Departments of Home Affairs. How many, how many of, of our people who are not eloquent, who don't understand whether English or Africans, who lose a lot of things simply on the basis of language, simply on the basis of documentation that is written in English? Um, I mean, just recently there were, there were help that, that was offered to people. Many people come to me. KGM, can you help us? We don't understand these forms. We want our businesses to, to also be helped. They, they cannot do that because their language is just cumbersome. So it's systematic. It's not just about the police. The whole system requires an overhaul, including the Constitution. So as much as I appreciate the conversation we're having tonight about the police, but I think we need to have a bigger conversation and only not only just the conversation we need to implement the change where the system itself has to be dismantled completely and we have to put the system that talks to us to our social economic conditions and to our social fiber as south africa not cut and paste from europe or anywhere uh, across the oceans but from here at home that we as the peoples of this country understand patricia Thanks for taking my call. Thank you very, very much, KGM, and we really appreciate that. Now, uh, Dr. Dockett, I, I, I hear what um, um, KGM is saying, and I think it's one of the points that you made, that it's not just the police service, although today we are zooming in on them. It's the entire justice system, because here we are sitting with some cases that are not correctly attended to because of linguistic issues. Yes, I, I take KGM's point, Patricia. Thank you for his, his comments. Um, and and he's quite right that the entire system needs an overhaul, as you suggested. Mm. And I, I take his point as well about the constitutional court judges and our judges in general being the custodians of our constitution. But we, we must also critique them and say, uh, how many of our judges in the country and our magistrates are actually bilingual or trilingual or multilingual, you know? Are we appointing judges to the bench um, by excluding uh, a language? And and the Constitution doesn't, in fact, Section 174, the appointment of judges, doesn't uh, take into account language as a factor when appointing judges. And indeed, there it, it needs an overall. Um, but in terms of what KGM said, I, I, I do differ in, in a sense with the Constitution in its entirety needing an overview. The, the framework is there, Patricia. It's whether we want to implement it or not. And, and this is the problem that we have in South Africa. We, we, we go and we find all these little loopholes in the Constitution. We use those words practic- where practicable, you know, equity, 
uh, redress. And we say, and, and it's always qualified by where practical, where practicable, and, and there's a difference between the two, obviously, and we're subject to budgetary constraints. Now, that doesn't mean the right must be limited in every instance, which we see happening. That means implement the right as best you can, i.e. some implementation must happen somewhere along the line, which we're not seeing at all. And I think that's the point um, KGM is also making. Let's um, Go ahead. It, it also talks to, I, I think, if, if you'd allow me, to what my PhD thesis uh, critiqued, the justice system as a whole and the language of record in courts, and the adverse effect that that has down the line on the police, on what he said, home affairs, all departments, um, government departments, and, and, and what we are trying to actually do to our people. So it, it's a broader problem that we need to look at in terms of legislation and policy and say, what are we trying to do in our departments? Are we trying to create access, broader access, or are we trying to exclude people? And I think that's where the conversation needs to begin. Are we, are we saying that we should be an English-only country and to the exclusion of every other official language in our country? Or are we saying that we're going to start implementing our other languages practically and we can actually see this happening um, by accessing basic services? I highly doubt that any South Africans will say let's use only English. I think everyone would love the day we are able to implement and utilize all 11 of our official languages, bearing in mind that there's a lot of other languages that have not been included in the 11. Mm. But let's go to our last voice note before we wrap up our conversation. Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your guest, Tapelo here. Uh, Patricia, I think some police officers are not equipped enough in terms of a cap or perhaps obligatory ways that they should use when they assist you with an affidavit. For an example, if your parents are not married, they will use words like uh, boyfriend or girlfriend. So sometimes it uh, it sounds like they are belittling your your parents so yeah i have personally experienced that when i was in metric yeah applying for basari thank you Thank you very much. And uh, Dr. Dockrat, as we close off, uh, let's just uh, give our uh, your last views on what can be impl- In fact, just in 30 seconds, because I need to go to the news. What can be in implemented? 30, yeah. In 30 seconds, we need to have the infrastructure installed in the police stations where we have oral recorders that is transmitted to, uh, to a cloud device. It is then transcribed and translated, it needs to be, if it's not given in English, by a, by a translator that is a university graduate coming from one of our universities, and that will create employment opportunities, and that will positively affect um, access to justice in the country and will not exclude people on grounds of language. Thank you so very much, uh, Dr. Zakir Dokhat, and uh, yes, we really enjoyed our conversation with you this evening. Thanks for having me. Let's move on to the news with Zoleka Kotashe. What a beautiful voice.